Uh, you you want to introduce yourself for the peeps? Yeah. So uh, my name's Frank. I'm uh, 37 years old. Uh, my fitness background is primarily in martial arts. Um, I started in Taekwondo when I was like three years old. Um, I won a national title uh, in 97. Um, and then I went on to do work in bouncing and security, work as a doorman, uh, hands-on enforcement in a psychiatric unit, stuff like that. So I got some real-world application from that. And then uh, I eventually decided I wanted to train my brain just as much. So I jumped into school and wound up getting a PhD in performance psychology. And uh, during that time, I did a lot of sitting. I was working a security job where I was sitting at a desk and I was sitting during school. So sitting like 15 hours a day and that just killed me. So um, during the pandemic, I've just been focusing on trying to get my physical shape back up and eventually sort of uh, blend the physical body and the mental strength and sort of create this meta body, if you will. Um, so I'm in the process of trying to do that over the next few years. Okay, that, that's pretty dope, man. That's pretty yeah. interesting. I'm kind of one of those people that go to, I go to the extreme in anything and then cut it back to like the easiest form and then sort of try to find a middle ground. So yeah. uh, when I did my PhD, it was tons of mental work. And then um, after I finished, I did nothing. No reading, no mental focus. I did the studies I had to do and the work I had to do. Then after that, just quit it and sort of let my brain kind of calm down. And now I'm bringing it back to a sort of a happy medium. And that's kind of yeah. what I'm doing strength right now over the past year. We, uh, we focused on getting a lot stronger, but now I'm not as limber. I can't move as well. I can't breathe as well, uh, but I'm strong as hell. And that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. fun. And let me tell you, it uh, beats you up if it's the only thing you focus on. So over this next year, you're going to see me focus a lot more on trimming down and mobility and functionality and limberness and, and uh, sensitivity training and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, man, that's, that's amazing. Like I, I always tell people, man, it's, it's amazing to be a well-rounded individual. Like, you know, even with being an athlete, I always tell like, you know, you can be strong, but it's good to be strong and have balance and stability and, you know, grip strength, all of that, that makes you a well-rounded athlete and you'll be ready for anything, you know? Yeah. And I think it just takes patience. And that's, I think oh, that's yeah. the funnest thing for a lot of people is, is the patience involved with trying to become well-rounded because you can't gain that's it all true. at once. You know, if you try to gain it all at once, you'll just, you'll burn out. Oh, so true. So true. Uh, just from learning from experience with that, man, you know, trying to do so much stuff at once, even though you have the desire and want to, like, mentally and physically, you can't, you know, your body, your body and your mind has its, has its level. So overboarding it, you know, overstimulating it is it's just going to wear you out. And like you say, it's, you, you can't do it. It's not longevity. You can do it for some weeks and some months, but long term is not it's not sustainable yeah exactly and you know that's the wonderful thing about being humans is we can plan for the long term and you know it doesn't just go away when we quit doing it it's like if we build up our strength a week later you're going to be strong for years you know yeah, so true. basically get yourself you know to a point where you're happy with a certain thing get your limberness where you like it or get your you know stamina where you like it and then if you mm -hmm. want to focus on something else focus on it 
And then when the other thing starts to dwindle, like when my strength starts to go down, you know, in this cutting phase and mobility, flexibility phase, I'll put a little effort back on strength, of course, right, you know, yeah. just going to sort of a maintenance with everything after you reached where you want to be. Yeah, that's so true, man. What, so what, what got you into that mindset? Like, um, like the mindset that you have now, like, you know, so most people aren't in that predicament or they, they don't have that mindset of, you know, I can build this up. And like, I have the knowledge to get back to where I need to. So now let me work on something else. Most people are just like one, you know, one focus, you know, they don't have that wide range. Yeah. I think you need to embrace um, being new at things. I think right. that's part of it is I love the whole beginning mindset. Um, mm -hmm. Always trying something new, always trying always being a beginner at something. I right. think you to where, when you change up things, you don't have that fear response. You aren't afraid of switching things up and doing something different and then failing a few times or being uncomfortable or whatever. You don't have that because you're, you're always doing it. You're always making mistakes because you're always a beginner at something. So I think that really helps. Gotcha. And how do you, how did you get to that mindset? Uh, you know, I tried a lot of different things when I was a kid um, right. to try to figure out what sports I would like. Um, so I tried like basketball, I tried football, I tried uh, baseball and I realized pretty quickly, I didn't like team sports. I liked individual <laughs> sports. Um, yeah. The whole, you know, Jerry Rice thing or LeBron James would be a better example. You know, yeah. he's 60 points and the Cavs still lose. It's like, Oh man, <laughs> so, <laughs> it'd be tough to be in that situation. That's so true, man. It's like, Man, I 100% agree with that because one one thing I always that stuck with me is like uh, I'm a I listen to like Ray Lewis, I listen to a lot of like pop and one thing he always said is no one can determine your effort. So when I would play sports, you know I'm a small guy, I'm only like five eight, but I always knew and most of my coaches knew that I had effort, I had heart. So most yep. people they might have way more skill you know, more talent, but when it comes push to shove, I'm a, it's going to, it's going to push me further than the, the average person. So that's something I always stuck with. So no matter what the task was, you know, what going back to the LeBron thing, if everybody's not giving 110%, we're going to lose. Even if I'm giving 100% every single time and it's, that's going to, that's going to affect you. It's going to affect your, your mental because it's like, man, I'm giving so much. Like, why can't, you know, why can't they do the same? You know, it, it, it makes you, it makes you so angry because it's like, why can't they see it how I see it? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, you know, that would be tough in that is if you're just naturally super talented, if you're yeah. just naturally a really talented dude and other guys train just as hard as you and they're nowhere close in skill level, you know, that'd be tough to deal with on a team level. Um, so it's just, you know, there's a lot of that involved. And that's politics and team sports is just, you know, chaos. So I really like being accountable for my own performance. I think that's, that's key. At least it works best for me. I think other people find a lot. I think the camaraderie on team sports is priceless. You know, you'll never, you never find that. Yeah, it's a lot of things like, it's, it's lessons in everything, you know, yep. 
like team sports teach you a lot about teamwork and team building and you know find like somebody's weakness you can help that be their strength and vice versa so it's it's a lot of things they can teach us um but at the same time solo sports teach us a lot about ourselves as well because it now is it's up to you it's no one you can't rely on any like you know what the team sports if i don't drop 20 points somebody else might do it but yep. in solo sport, like, hey, it's, you know, swimming is all on you. You know, yeah. have you been training? Have you, you know, have you been putting in the work? And it's going to show. There's no one that can save you then. No one can hold your hand or help you out, man. You have to find that strength inside and do it. 100%. 100%. So, so yeah, that's a little bit of what I've been on to. Um, I do, you know, combat sports as team, as individual sports. I do the grip sport thing, um, which is most mm-hmm. an individual sport. Um, yeah. And I've done some e-sport stuff. Uh, my brother and I uh, set some world records on a video game a couple years back. What? So, uh, yeah, the game uh, Uniracers for Super Nintendo. We uh, smashed up some world records on that. It's an old school game. What? I would have yeah. never guessed that. Uh, hand-eye coordination drills, stuff like that. Um, some, you know, like, uh, I don't play a lot of video games, but, like, yeah. if I do, doing it for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. So, um, for performance-type reason, I mean. Yeah. So, like, when we're doing stuff, typically. But if you're really tired, you know, because you've had a long day, it's really hard to get into a zone where you're moving and thinking. So... Okay. One of the things I like to do, like people say they think best in the shower. Well, after a long day, yeah, you can take a shower, and but that only lasts so long or whatever, um, and your brain isn't fired up. So I like to play driving games. I like uh, Forza games. What? And Yeah, because I can drive on the game without thinking about it. You know, I drive yeah. in real life, so it's just it's something I don't, I'm not even thinking. The car is just going wherever. I'm just, you know, my mind's then free to think, with better cognition, basically. I can wow. focus a little more. Uh, I think the brain's a little more fired up because my hands are doing something. My um, my brain's in the background, you know, autonomously paying attention to the video game and the driving or whatever that's going on, but I'm not thinking about it. It's just there. So I think that um, if you're really tired in the day, like I don't like to watch TV. I prefer mm-hmm. interactive things. So... If I'm really tired, that's a very, very low form of interactivity that just does enough to get my brain a little more triggered to jump into some good thinking. So I come up with a lot of good ideas while I'm doing that stuff. Wow. I would have never thought of that. That's very interesting. I, yeah. I now I have to go get a Forza video game. It's, I like <laughs> driving. I like, you know, Burnout. always was a fan of driving games, Burnout, uh, NASCAR, Forza. But I was always just sports in general, yeah. Or like co- combat games or things like that. Um, but man, I never—that's interesting, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, another one I like is shooter games for when you're like when you just feel like things are distracting you a lot, like all the noise in the background's getting to you that day, and you're having a day where you're just like a little hypersensitive. Yeah, I like using shooter games because you got to focus right there on that target and you can't pay uh, attention to anything on the sides of the game. You know, I mean, yeah, you'll see that enemy creeping around a corner, but when you're focusing on shooting that enemy or whatever, 
it's so pinpoint targeted that it helps with your ability to block out distractions. Interesting, man. It, that's, that's very interesting. Never thought yeah, of that. Man. Everything I'm doing, I'm always trying to, to think about how it can better my brain or better my body. Yeah. So, you know. Hey, the pros to video games, man. That can be a blog, right? That can be a podcast. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> man. I mean, we, uh, that Wii Sports game wound up in so many retirement homes just because of Wii. Oh, yeah. Uh, simple base home run game. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how many, you know, retired folks got their exercise playing that game, but it was quite a number. That's so true, yeah. Now, that'd be cool, like – once the technology gets there, because it's almost there, but like how how games are getting more interactive and you know having to be more physical. Like they even have some games. I think it's somewhere in like China, um, where it's like a physical arcade. Like it's, okay, yeah. It's you you're actually you know using your full body to to play the video game or to play the game, and I feel like that's pretty cool because. You're getting your workout at the same time, and you're having fun. So you don't you don't know that you're actually you know being active and you know helping your body. Yeah, I think that's perfect for this generation. And if you live in a rainy area, it rains nine months out of the year up here in Washington. That's why it looks so nice. Oh. Yeah, so that's that's a lot of rain. Um, yeah. So yeah, my nephew actually plays the game Ring Fit. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's Ring like a Fit? Pilates. Yeah, ring fit. It's like a Pilates ring, and uh, you hook up a controller to your leg too, and you got to run the game and do like high knees through the game and squats what? and all kind. I mean, tons of. There's like 40 exercises. It's nuts. I was watching him play it, and he's like fighting a boss with these like power squats and arm raises and whatever else. And I'm like, all right, it's like making him do lunges to beat the boss or uh, leg extensions or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's cool. What? I'm looking at yeah. it now. That is that's amazing, man. Yeah, that one's a trip. So I don't know. I might have to jump into checking that out. <laughs> Ring fit. Yeah, definitely. I gotta check that out. Um, what? Yeah, they're See, getting pretty creative. Yeah, you know, you gotta have fun, man. If you don't, if you aren't having fun with it, then right, you aren't gonna do it. Yeah, that's Just true. Just, especially as you get older, you know, things have to be pretty darn fun to get motivated about it. Unfortunately, we've been gifted with a world where we've seen it all. I mean, like nothing surprises us anymore, you know, at this point, I don't think. Um, if you've lived through the same, you know, generation that I have, you've seen all kinds of crazy madness all over. So it's like you really have to find something unique that speaks to you for you to really do it. I think we're, yeah, I think we're a population that's a little harder to motivate than, than any of our, you know, generations before. Yeah. I I could definitely agree with that. You've seen, yeah. Like you say, you've seen, you've seen the both sided, you know, now today's world is like, they're growing up. What it's kind of like you, they have everything in abundance. Everything is already there, but you know, back, like, always have a problem. My little sister, she's like, I have nothing to do, you know. I'm like, you have to be creative. Like, we didn't have all of these gadgets growing up. We had to think of ways to be creative and have fun. But now that you have all of these technology at your at your hands, 
it's like you don't know how to have fun. You you have to you're you're relying on something external to have fun, when that should be internal. You should know how to have fun without having a phone and you know all of this extra stuff. You don't need it. Absolutely, yeah, that's true. About uh, internal strength is definitely a little bit harder to manifest nowadays. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, so I think that uh, I don't know in the future will be the ones that can use technology but can also stay calm during the chaos you know and that takes right. something you don't get from technology you don't get from playing around with all this these cool toys we have you know you get that from getting yourself in a quiet place you know what i mean right yeah man silence silence is blissful man that's something i started to learn over the years like um I'm not a big fan of small talk, so people when people are around me, they're like, man, he's so quiet. Because I'm like, I like intellectual conversations. I don't want to just fill the air with something that's that's not stimulating, that's not going to, you know, help each other or teach each other anything. So, you know, I'm a, I am like silence. Silence is, is blissful, and it's a rarity nowadays because it, it's music everywhere, it's noise everywhere, but silence, you know... It it has its it has it has its time of the day, during the wait, start wait. of the day and then at night, and that's it. Everything else is noise throughout the whole day. Yep, yeah, basically, uh, and it's tough to find it. Like you said, um, even places that were traditionally quiet, like a library, now they're just right. computer. You know, yeah, they're just big computer hubs, with tons of people typing and clacking and. I mean, yeah, maybe they're not talking, but there's still tons of noise going on. I mean, back in the day, it was people turning the pages of a book. You wouldn't hear that. You know, nowadays it's people getting out their laptops, getting in their bags. You know, it's, right. it's small noises, but it's constant noise pollution. Yep, 100%. Yeah, anytime I was in school, I would go to one of, I would get one of those private rooms in the bottom of the basement so, so I could, yeah, I didn't want to hear nobody. Like, I need to focus. Yeah, man, those rooms are, you don't see those too often, except maybe at a few of the state schools, and a lot of the other schools that had them are gone, so that's pretty cool. That's, uh, that's going to be an old school thing in the future, the quiet private study halls in the basement. Yeah, man, uh, it's, it's a necessity nowadays. I got, I got some questions lined up for you, man, so All right. I, I got some good ones. So the first one I got is... What's what's your definition of happiness? I think that happiness is not something people should strive for. Um, Cause I think that what most people think of as happy is a fleeting state. Hmm. So I think that if you're positively productive and you're content with where you are, that's as happy as you should aim to be. Cause that's, that's at a point where you're not distracted. You can go through life pretty easily. You can traverse through the day pretty easily. Um, somebody has a complex question, you can come up with an answer pretty easily because you're calm. You can just bring up your mental resources quickly. Um, so if, you're, if you are actually content with what you're doing and you're producing something that's helping the world in some way, you're good to go. Mm. Never heard that answer, and it's very good. That's a good answer, man. Yep, just positively productive and content. That's the way to be. It's like you're, you're, you're striving to contribute to the to society, and once you, 
once you do that, you know, you're content with that because it's like you don't you don't really need nothing else. Yeah, you, you found your purpose. Right, a hundred percent. So it's like happiness is tied to your purpose. I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm, good one. Okay. Question number two. What's what's your definition of success? Well, I mean, obviously getting to that point of happiness, but it's yeah. you know, um man, success it's about the relationships you build with the people around you is really what it is. That's yeah. a lot more important than anything else you're going to find in life. You know, they say uh, a lot of people think of the whole survival of the fittest thing. And the fittest is the guy that has the job or the pretty wife or fancy car and all the money or whatever. But, you know, when you look at like groups, like groups of animals or groups of plants, you know, Darwin also acknowledged that there was survival of the generous. So I think mm. that, I that being, you know, be, if you can take care of somebody, you know, when you can pay a bill for somebody in need, do something like that. If you can, it comes back tenfold. And I think that's, that's success is if you, if you've built a strong community around you, then you're, then you're stronger than any individual can be. Yeah, I like that. That's very good. Survival of the generous. What? That's something I've never heard of. Like, what? I wonder why that's not like talked about. Like, gen like generosity is like, I don't know. It's it's not, it's not highly va like highly valued in society. And it, it, if it is, it's like the intent of it is not pure. It's yeah. from a, it's from a stand for like a stand for of like can't talk, but their their purpose of it is to be viewed as a certain person, and that's not truly them. So I'm giving this out, you know, I'm giving this donation, I'm doing this for somebody, so I can be perceived as a good person, but morally, I'm not. Yeah. So I'm always impressed with the anonymous donors. You know? Yeah. Just donate anonymously. It's not about people knowing that you did this or that. It's just, you know, right. you helped out, and that's what matters. So I think that's key. And I think sometimes, obviously, if you're trying to spread the word, you have to, you know, say, hey, I donated this cause. You can, too, and spread the word or whatever. Right. And that's important, too, of course. But if the word's already spread and you're just donating to something that already tons of people are already donating to, you don't need to make mm. it a big deal. Just do your thing. So uh, I think that's that's key is building those relationships with the people around you. Because you're gonna die. I mean, plants will die if they don't, you know, share their nutrients. You know, like uh, right. uh, I don't know how much you know about like fungus and the mycelial network, but like trees share nutrients through their through the mycelial network attached to the roots. So, you know, if they know that a tree is struggling, they'll share nutrients to that other tree. They'll, they'll starve themselves a little while in order to save another tree in the forest. And we're part of this planet. We're part of this nature. You know, I think that we're more connected to nature than we realize. Um, mm -hmm. I believe in the whole, the earth is alive, you know, uh, philosophy. So I think we should learn from that. You know, we should learn from how, how generous animals, you know, they protect the weakest link. 
because they're only as strong as their weakest link. So they're going to protect that one. Um, and, you know, uh, plants do the same things. So I think that's super important. And any, any culture is only as strong as their weakest link. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I've never, I've never heard of the, the, the tree thing, but that's, that's empowering, man. And I definitely relate to what the earth is alive thing and we can, we can yeah, learn so much. Um, amazing fungi on, uh, amazing fungi. amazing fungi on Netflix. That'll tell you about the little bit about the mycelial network and how, uh, how the trees share nutrients and talk to each other in a way. Yes, man. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's so much that we can learn from nature and from animals. Like they, it's like they teach you the way of life, but we have like we have become so disconnected from nature. Like most people wouldn't even spend a day in the woods if you paid them. Like yeah, <laughs> we have the uh, the old growth forest here in Washington, and that place is amazing. You know, it's the only ancient forest in the country. Uh, and uh, it's an amazing place to go and just meditate and, and be in that environment. Yeah, nature is nature is something else. Man, like I, I started to become aware of it when um I when I was in school and we had a forest bar by the college. And one day I was like, let me just I was stressed out. So I was like, let me go in here and walk around. I got lost in there easily for an hour. But when I came out, I felt so good. And I was like, man, that's that's interesting. Like I came in here stressed out, you know, you having these, all these thoughts, anxiety. And when I leave, I'm like, I'm at peace. I'm stress free. And yeah, I, I was, I reached, huh? Yeah. It's like you're a whole new person. It's crazy. A whole new person, man. Like I, I researched and it was telling you about the benefits of, you know, being in nature, how it, how it calms the mind and stuff like that. And I was just like, that's just one of the things it does though. Like we, you know, um, we're not really taught the benefits of being, being in nature and getting connected, you know, getting back connected to it, how, how it's so beneficial to our mind, body, and soul, you know? Yeah, man. One thing that'll change perspective. Every, every time you see them destroying nature, think to yourself, are they destroying the next penicillin? Hmm. It's true. You know, and nature, food is medicine, man. So. Absolutely. So I think like our forest should be protected out of a means of like national medical necessity. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, man. Great, great, man. It's, it's powerful, man. People, people want what they want and they don't, they don't see how detrimental it's like, they don't see, how detrimental it is even to themselves they can't see they just see the the um, the attain what they, what they're going to attain like if i if i destroy this i'm going to make this much money but yep. you're going to lose more than that because now you you you're taken away from from nature and that could be beneficial so now that could have been uh some medicine in there that your child needed but you don't know like you're just thinking of the material possession. You're thinking of the material gain. Yeah, man, that crazy story. Could you imagine? They make like a like one of those '80s movies where the bad guy is gonna build a you know mall in like the park that all the kids hang out in. 
Yeah. And he builds a mall and his kid gets sick and it was found out that that park had like some tree that yeah, had like that could save its kid. That'd be and um, that that would be so empowering. Yeah, it would. That'd be a yeah, good that'd be movie, a good one. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one right now. I'd like to see that. That'd be cool. Next movie coming out. <laughs> Exactly. Right. That need a, a a Mary Mallon movie about a uh, typhoid fever right now. Get people what to take it? this mix seriously. <laughs> typhoid fever. Yeah, exactly. We need to be about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what. All right. So I think this. Well, no, that's not really tell them. All right. So this question: uh, Have we become? What do you think we've become less happy in this age of technology and information? Do you think people are less happy now because we live in a world of abundance? Absolutely. I think that people are focused on things they don't even need to be focused on. It's mm. ridiculous. Um, like, it's cool to be able to get in contact with your aunt that lives in <laughs> 4,000 miles away from you. Yeah. But honestly, like, in that process of doing that, you've taken time away from the people that live 40 mm. feet away. So I'm really into knowing your neighbors. Um, I yeah. don't like technology much. I really have hardly used computers since uh, finishing up my schooling. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I would, you know, um, if I had the perfect environment, I would not have TVs or computers or anything like that in it. Um, yeah. Not even radio. I don't even think that, you know, I think that turning on music to listen to it now and then is good for your soul and important, but I don't yeah. think playing the radio regularly hearing song after song, some you don't care about, some you like, some you don't, some doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah. Yep. Commercials as well and all that stuff. You're just, you're just inundating your brain with a bunch of BS that you don't need. So, yeah. you know, feel, you know, I think play music for how you feel. I think that's good. Or play music to change your mood. I think that's right. good. Um, I think maybe watching a documentary now and then, or even watching like science fiction, a show a couple times a week, isn't going to hurt you. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody needs an escape and sit down and, and step away from reality for a second. That's cool. But I right. definitely think that it needs to be moderated so much more than it is. Mm -hmm. There's way too much done with computers, way too much uh, screen time. And so many systems rely on computers. I mean, systems like applying for, for um, a grant for research or, uh, you know, applying for welfare for people that are on welfare or right. just taking care of things is way too computerized and the personal touch is lost. So I think that, that okay. disconnect from people has definitely uh, hurt our our society a little bit. And I think we take it back a little bit to further ages. I think there's a point where we can actually say when things started to change mentally for society and when people started to be okay with being more aggressive or more criminal or more just um, outlandish in their actions. And I think it goes back to, and a lot of scientists agree to this, and this is a weird point, but you got to follow me. It goes back to when we got refrigeration in our homes. So before we had refrigeration, we had to butcher meat or we had to go to a butcher and we knew that there was this connection to the life death process that animal sacrificed mm -hmm. itself for us to have our nutrition. 
-hmm. there's a strong connection to life and death there. Um, and I think once every meat became prepackaged and you just buy it and throw it in the fridge, cook it up and blah, blah, that connection's gone. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, way back there was something to that. There was something about acknowledging and knowing the sacrifice that was made. So when we butchered animals or when we went to the butcher or when we couldn't store our meat and we had to, you know, go and, and get our meat and use it that day, I think that made a difference. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, man. That that loss of awareness, you know, it's it's because I, I I talked to my grandma. We were, I I had a talk with her because she was she was like, "Why did you change your style of eating?" Because I'm like, just just knowing what I know, it just it doesn't it doesn't feel natural and things like that. I'm like, we've lost that sense of touch. Like I You're know she's like, yeah, yeah. So I I've been vegan for like three almost three some years, but. Like, I was talking to her. I'm like, it was totally different from your your from your time. She's like 75. I'm like, it was totally different because you you had that more natural connection. You 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 see it. Like you see the process of it. Now people don't see the process, so they they've lost the connection. And if they've lost the va you know the value of it or things like that, you know. So then there's deeper stuff is with that as well. Why I transition? But I was just like. It, it didn't feel right, you know. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that we're meant to eat meat. I mean, you can look at our teeth and figure that out real quick. We don't have lion teeth. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yes, apes will eat meat in a dire situation, but they typically right. don't. You know, they oh, typically yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's what we are, essentially. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, yeah, so like, I always just tell people like whatever whatever you eat, man, just just make sure you're taking care of your body. Like, but my biggest thing with what food is like, I always tell people nutrition, even just going back to where our further uh, past conversations, nutrition isn't just what you eat. You know what you're talking about with the radio. What are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? All of that stuff is a form of nutrition and it's planting seeds in your mind. So. If you're trying to be a be if you're trying to be a better person, you want to think better, feel better, you have to monitor all of that stuff. You can't be watching 20 hours of TV like what are you what are you watching? You got commercials and all of this stuff and you might not understand it consciously, but your subconscious is taking in all that stuff and it's processing it and then further down the line, you know, now you're thinking like why do I feel this way and why do I think this way because it's like what are you what are you feeding yourself it's yep. it's cha it's changing you in some way shape or form that's why they always say your who what's your environment you know show me your friends i'll show you your future whatever you surround yourself with is going to become you you can it might take 5 years 10 years but eventually it is going to change you yeah oh yeah absolutely and it'll break you down physically too you know, uh, if it doesn't just change you mentally, it will destroy you for sure. Just the, the analysis, you're just using so many resources doing that all day. It breaks you down, it makes you, you know, weak uh, physically and mentally. And that's just too much for people to take on that much information. That's so true. Yeah, that's one thing I had to realize. That's how I started doing like um, social media breaks, like 
Now I'm only doing 30, like this month, 30 minutes of social media. If I go over it, it's only to put content up. But other than that, I don't. Uh, but it's like doing those little things help me become more aware of how I'm spending my time, what I'm doing with my time. And, you know, you realize how much time is in a day. Like when I wake up early, it's crazy because I get so, you know, you get a lot of stuff done. And then you look up, it's only 12 o'clock. You're like, bro, what? Like, yep. I still got 12 hours to go? Like, how am I going to make it through the day? Like, you, it's so much time that's in a day. But we've, we've become lost with that awareness because we just bombarded with all this, you know, information, TV, radio, you know, whatever. But it's like we're not aware of, like, screen time on your phone is the, it, it's the biggest um, I say it's the best thing ever because it allows you to see what are you doing with your time? You know, yeah. I, like I, I would look at it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm spending, you know, 10, 15 hours, 20 hours a week just on social media. Oh, nah, I gotta, I gotta cut back. Like, and that's, that was one of the biggest wake ups call for me. So. Yeah. I think this pandemic, uh, it worked both it worked really good for some people, really bad for some people. Some people wasted so much time, but some yeah. people got super productive. They said, oh, I'm not working. So you know what? I'm going to do this crazy project that I've had on my mind forever. And man, I've seen some really cool things come out of the pandemic from people just, you know, organizing their time and attacking some big goal uh, in a systematic fashion. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, I'm really yeah. surprised where our little couch potato thing went. You know, it started out as just kind of a little fun way of me and my brother getting together and working out. But now we've connected with some of the top level people in performance in the world. And it's awesome. You know, it's, it's really cool. It was a great time to do it. The, the pandemic was a neat time where you could connect to some big name people because they didn't have anything to do. Um, I remember at the very beginning, there were a couple of NBA players that said they didn't have a hoop at their house. Said, I don't have a hoop at my house. And they literally went to some kids' houses that were fans and played on their court. Wow. How cool would that be, right? That's, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that would be a hoot. That one was a hoot. And there were some, uh, some musicians that did, like, duets with fans and weird things like that. And that's just yeah. awesome, you know, that they got to connect and do those, those kind of things. It's so cool. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like that's that's pretty that's amazing, man. Like, like I usually I feel I feel like we put celebrities and you know all these amazing people on such a pedestal. We forget that they're people as well. Like, you know, they have emotions and they feel or whatever they think, but they're just gifted. They're gifted and they took their gift to the next level. But you know, people forget that they're just regular people. So it's like they won't, you know think that they oh you never get stressed out you never have problems yes they do like there is nobody in this world are able to uh, to escape taxes death problems no no well you can't you can't escape any of that stuff it, it's it has to happen so i feel like the pandemic was more like help people become hopefully that everybody has problems everybody has you know faces similar situations it might not be on such a grand level as others, but everybody ha you know, everybody is facing some kind of problem in their life. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's, this pandemic is not uh, played favorites at all. You know, there's, I mean, all. look at, look at like Oscar de la Hoya, 
multiple time world boxing champion, you know, held the belt in multiple divisions. He had both COVID shots, still wound up getting it, wound up in the hospital. You know, it didn't play favorites to him, even though he was in the best shape. I mean, I'll never be in as good shape as him. You know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. So, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in, how good your diet is. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't play favorites. It can get you. So it's just important to realize how, you know, how we're all the same. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I always tell people, man, like, one of the things I don't do is like, you know, I I tell I don't live in fear. So, you know, people be asking, why are you doing this? Why are you going skydiving? Why why are you trying these all different things? Because it's like life is meant to be lived, enjoy trying new things. And people live in fear, so they never go do the things that they really have the the wants and the desire to do. They never leave their town. They never, you know, do what what like what their heart calls them out to do. So I feel like once once you escape fear because fear is inevitable but you know fear has its pros and cons to it like you can't let fear control your life yeah exactly you ever read the book gift of fear gift of, the gift of fear oh man that's a really good one um don't experience fear you'll never be able to use it and it won't work right when you need it fear us that something's wrong or there might be something wrong mm -hmm. and you know we should listen to it for sure it might right. tell you that you know that that guy that's in the alley next to you is a creepy son of a gun who might try to stab you <laughs> it, it might you know spark that up it might tell you and that's important right. to, to understand fear i think building a relationship with fear is really good like there are pros and cons to it i think that's that's the key is knowing that there are pros and cons to it and building a relationship with fear embrace it oh exactly 100 percent. like uh you you said it best man don't you know don't run from it but understand it embrace it because you know it, it comes with its lessons and its lessons at the same time so. yeah it might be the thing that saves your life Okay. Um, all right. Random question. What are some unusual skills that you have? Well, I can nunchuck really well. Huh. So I'm pretty good at that. Uh, um, I'm really good at nunchucking. That's just really. Oh, random. I've seen that. Yeah, you're spinning, spinning a nunchuck on your hand. Yep. Yeah, I can do that. Um, and I can make fast click noises with my mouth, which is weird. Um, because uh, I hung out with a drummer for a long time. We used to do that to keep his beats. So we used to do that to keep our beats. So um, other than that, that's about it. Yep. <laughs> Just the nut you got you gotta put those together in a video, man. <laughs> yeah, I wanna uh, I'm I'm gonna do some fucking to some music soon. For yeah, sure. Okay. Put that out there. Yeah. Yeah, there's more flow nunchucking videos. I put out some lessons and stuff. Now I need to just put some flow stuff out. Yeah. Where did you get your nunchucks from? Uh, well, there's a martial arts supply studio not too far from uh, where I live. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, you can order them online, like gungfu.com or whatever. But uh, yeah, I get them at the local local martial arts store. 
Yeah, check them out. Which I don't think, I don't know if there are local martial arts supply stores like everywhere, but we're lucky to have one here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I haven't yeah, martial seen arts is big up here in the Northwest for some reason. It's always been quite popular up here. I think it's because there's just not, it's an indoor after school activity mm-hmm. and uh, kids can do it. I know there were a lot of latchkey kids in the school that I went to originally. Yeah, I got so, some low, low, low key assassins out there. They might not look like it, but they can. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have some really good schools up here that that really, you know, uh, self defense and bully prevention and and tactics okay, that yeah. work in the real world. Uh, I'm all into real world martial arts training. I do not like right. training for the ring. I don't care about glove training too much. Um, uh-huh. I like real world type training i like uh you know bare knuckle type training on you know a dirt surface um not on concrete that's a little stupid you're just getting crazy some people do that but that's just getting carried away Um, it has to be real but you also have to still go to work the next day and you you know yeah your family so uh yeah i I just like making it as real as possible um Mm -hmm. The best thing that you can train in combat that you can train real are throws. Um, Mm. You can't train punches real. You can't train submissions real because you're going to hurt people. But if your partner partner knows how to land, you can throw that guy with as much force as you would throw somebody on the street. And if he knows how to land, it'll be okay. You know, the throwing motion itself can be the same, but then of course you're gonna you're gonna take consideration for their landing. You aren't gonna throw them and follow through and slam their head in the ground or whatever. But nonetheless, <laughs> throwing motion can still take place with as much force as it would. Yeah, you can practice the throws really well. And throws uh, are brutal. I would not want to deal with somebody that was a, a throwing expert. That's one of the martial arts that I think uh, has the best tactical abilities on the street because i'm you get hit with the ground you're done the air is knocked out you're done you you get smacked with the earth you know that's throwing is no joke man i i that's being a former wrestler from high school man like that one of my favorites is the hip toss because it's it doesn't matter what size you are if i if i get you on that hip man it's you know, it's bound. You're bound to get tossed because it's just about the setup. You know how I grab you. It doesn't matter about anything else. It's, it's just form and technique. Yeah, and that's a matter about your size with throws. Uh, I'm only five foot nine, but I do weigh two oh five. Um, I've been as high as two twenty five recently. Um, so I mean, I have some weight on me, and when I get hit, it doesn't hurt as much. Um, but I've thrown guys that were you know six and a half foot tall and three hundred pounds. And not too much of trouble, you know. Yeah. You know what you're doing. You do it right. Yeah. hundred percent, man. That is, I I had a problem like that, and I used to I used to work for Disney World for like my oh, freshman year of college. I was like uh, worked in the parks, but we had roommates, and this when I started, I started getting a little more into fitness. It was like my first year of like really hitting the weights, um. So I just I started working out a little bit more. And one of my roommates, he was he was like six feet, it's like three, three hundred plus. Um, 
And I was playing a video game one day, and he's like, man, we're about to eat your food. I'm like, bro, it was my cheat day meal. I'm like, bro, don't mess with my food. Like, I've been eating clean all week. Like, he's like, man, we don't care that you work out, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, I'm not a man of talking. I'm like, if you're going to do something, do it. I'm not going to I'm not gonna go back and forth with you or something like that. Uh, and then, like, I'm playing that video game, and I hear the bag rip. So I run out there. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? And then he tried to rush me. And right as he rushed me, I hip tossed him. Boom. And he landed on the floor. And then I just put my I put my shin on his on his body. I'm like, you're not getting up. And he was just he was he was just so surprised. I'm like, yeah, I told like I told you I used to wrestle, bro. Like I know what I'm doing, but I don't do this for like to show off. But I'm like, you're trying to you thought you were gonna overpower me. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Man, whatever was in that bag, that would have been a good commercial for that. It that was some cookies, product. man. <laughs> What's that? It was some cookies. I, I was, I was going to oh, make man. some cookies later on, I'll man. Touch my cookies, <laughs> I will throw your ass. <laughs> yeah, I like that one Doritos commercial. Don't, don't touch that. Like one Doritos. we all over after this. <laughs> <laughs> for real. <laughs> Uh, let me. See. Oh, this should be a good one. All right. So if you can, if you could, if you had a free weekend, what would you build? And if you had the opportunity to build something, what would you build? Uh, oh, well, is it something? Uh, I mean, beneficial I probably, or not, whatever, whatever is your desire. If it's something that's just built and then it stays, like it's not continually like a like a program. If I'm not building a program that exists, like an after school program or something to help out some kids um, uh-huh. that just you know, have have two parents working or they're just they got to stay out of trouble. There's a lot of craziness in Portland. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't live very far from Portland, but that's been in the news a lot. A lot of protests, a lot of shootings, kids getting shot from just people being Jeez. stupid, and it's ridiculous. It's not as bad as like Chicago or whatever, but. Uh, it's so bad that like our police force, like a hundred officers quit working. And it's at the wow. point where if you got, if your car gets broken into and you call the cops, they ain't going to help you. They just ain't, they can't deal with a car getting broken into right now. They got to deal with people that are getting stabbed or shot. So right. it's kind of crazy. So I think giving kids something positive to do um, after school, you know, keep them out of trouble. I think that's what I build something like that. So it would be a park or something. Um, and if it wasn't a park, then it would be a program where, you know, there were people actually teaching kids after school, you know, uh-huh. I don't know what kind of values, but good life values. There'd probably be some form of, uh, you know, fun and games and some form of self-defense and some form of survival skills all mixed in with maybe a nutrition lesson. Yeah. Kind of like Mr. Miyagi, you know, you don't know you're being some, trained, yeah. but <laughs> Just a good after-school program, teach them, you know, teach them how to eat right, give them an after-school meal, make sure they know what they're eating. You know, that's another thing that I think is crazy. Oh, in a lot of countries, uh, lunch at school is a is a class. Like, what? you go to a lunch class. Yeah, we don't do that here, but at your lunch class, you know, they, they teach you about nutrition. They teach you, then you know, you're going to eat this fruit portion, you're going to eat this you know, dairy portion, you're going to eat this meat portion, you're going to eat this and you're going to learn about the nutrition and wow. it's a class to get them on track to actually eat right, you know. 
for their life because a lot of countries can't afford crazy medical bills like America can. I mean, we can't. We're <laughs> so far in debt. It's ridiculous. But, you know, if we fix that problem, I mean, maybe teach our population how not to get so sick that they have $100,000 in medical bills when they get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man, 100%. Might help out yeah. a little bit the whole problem. I, I didn't know countries did that. That's wow. Yeah, isn't that a trip? That's a trip. I mean, the difference that would have made for us instead of lunch, right after lunch, go run around like an idiot. I mean, you just ate. So let's go run and play. Right. <laughs> Our food digests properly. Let's have pizza and chocolate milk for, for lunch. Like, bro, these things don't even go together. But pizza hey. and chocolate milk, and then we're going to go swing on the most. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, yeah, that's one of the Wonder biggest things. Like, feel like crap at fifth period, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's one of the things I, I started to, like, uh, educate my little sister on, like, nutrition. I'm very big on that. Like, I'm that guy that's in the store flipping over packages. Like, yep. nah, I can't eat this. Like, just knowing what certain things, what certain ingredients do to your body, you know. But I had taught her the five ingredient rule. And she, you know, if you give a child something, they, they're they going to take it to the max. We we think an adult takes it to the max. No. A child yeah. will take it. Yeah. So I taught her the five ingredient rule. And I was like, if anything has more than five ingredients, don't eat it. Oh, my gosh. She was going through the house. Telling my mom, nope, can't eat this, can't eat that. Uh, and then my mom was calling me like, what did you tell your little sister? I was like, all right, I didn't tell her to take it to the max. You know, she can't control what she eats, but, you know, I taught, I taught her the five-ingredient rule. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy. Nutrition's, like, gone through so many phases. Right. And so many evolutions of science only to get to the point where we're just eating like monkeys again. Mm-hmm. Like as crazy as it sounds. Okay. So you think about like monkey populations, you think about intermittent fasting. Okay. Intermittent fasting is a cool, hot thing, hot topic right now. Right. Well, I mean, monkeys can't eat all the time. They got to go hunt and gather their food. <laughs> right. right. So they're, they're intermittent fasting. That's what they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, Oh, vegans, the thing animal plant or plant-based diets, a thing. Well, yeah. I mean, look at monkeys once again. And they're like, oh, well, mm. cut it down. Just eating like one or two ingredients at a time. You really think monkeys are out there making salads? <laughs> you really think they're collecting these different ingredients and mixing them <laughs> together and making a meal? No, they're eating some berries. Then they're eating some nuts. Then they're eating something yeah. else. Eating something else. They're eating one whole nutritious ingredient at a time. Yeah. And that allows their body to recognize that one ingredient and break it down properly. So I think that, mm. I mean, ultimately, I think that the best diet that a human could be on would be a, a one ingredient diet. You eat one thing at mm. a time. So like that, if you're going to eat some broccoli, that's all you're going to eat at that time. Maybe a couple hours right. later, you're going to eat something else, but just one ingredient at a time. And I think that that would be really tough for most people to do. But if you're on a, a fuel mine, I'm fueling my body, then right. I think. I think you can get into that. Wow. No, that's that's interesting because of what I was going to say. Um, it's, it's a lot of like like different research that talks about, you know, what foods go together and what foods don't go together. So like what you're saying, like we're mixed. Okay. 
yeah, I got this high, you know, high protein, high fat, high, high, um, whatever vitamins and minerals meal, but your body can't process that all at once. Cause it's like, okay, hold on. He got protein in here. Okay. Hold on. He got fat. Like it's trying to do so much stuff. Yeah. So you're not really, you're not really getting all the ingredients out of that thing because you're over, you know, you overloaded your body. Yeah, you won't have the optimum energy. Your body's doing a, a little bit too much processing, you know, at that time. So, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it makes a difference. You know, That's when they're, especially, you know, wild animal focus is going to be survival, just survival, survival, survival. So they're going to, they're not going to gorge themselves with a bunch of stuff. They're going to eat what gives them the fuel they need to move on and do that. And of course, obviously what's available. <laughs> right, yeah. That'd be that could be that'd be a challenge. I might try to do that. That's interesting. I want then I I something like that. I feel like I have to journal it to to see you know to see how I feel and things like that. But that would be very yeah. It would take some experimenting to figure out how to get it just right. It would be a right. challenge. Sure. But I I play with it. I've never actually yeah. I've conceptualized it and I've done a lot of research about like how it would work. But yeah, I've never actually really played with it. Yeah, that would definitely be a challenge for all aspects of your body, mentally, physically, and all, like every aspect, because you have to control. That's so much self-control. Yep. That's saying all the meals that good, whatever, I'm just going to eat one <laughs> at a time and forget about all that other things. And that's, that's, you know, tough to do. But if you're really focused on your goal, and if your goal is some sort of a physical endeavor, then yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna have a pizza today. I'm gonna have some bread at 10, at 11, I'm gonna have some tomatoes. <laughs> no. But eventually, it's gonna up. be a pizza. It's gonna be a pizza by the end of the day. <laughs> uh, you, gotta, you gotta trick your mind, man. Your mind, you're like, okay, all right, so I'm eating a pizza today. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, that's a big trick right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, that's, yeah, 100%. All right, so this this one is more geared towards um, like your style of training. What's oh, a red end? So how has how has like grip training impacted your life? Like, what benefits you know whatever that you want to talk about? How has it changed your style of training or whatever that you you want to talk about? So a lot of people don't realize that our mind, our brain, yells at our hands louder than any of the other part of our body. Because there's more neural connections between our brain and our hands than anything else. You can't control your elbow. That's just, <laughs> just doesn't happen. There's not enough nerve connections there. There's not enough pathways to make that happen. But you can do amazing things with your fingers. Uh, mm. You know, amazing. Painters look at artists, look at musicians. So grip training, it taxes your central nervous system it builds a mind body connection better than any other training that I've done outside of like Tai Chi. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're not going to get deep into like Tai Chi and internal style training, your grip training will help your balance coordination um, and movement because your mind will be able to speak throughout your body better because just by having your brain scream at your hands where the most connected there's, benefits throughout because there's spillage there's energy that spills throughout the rest of your body and builds connections to other parts of your body so 
If you have bad grounding, grip can help with that. If you feel wonky and squat, like you're off balance, grip can help with that. As weird as it is. Yeah. It does because it just, it's that mind body connection is strongest with your hands. Mm. Dang. That's good to know. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's something I started to realize as I started to do more grip training, how so much stable and more of a foundation I would have with all my training, like bench, squat, curl, because you're gripping a bar. And if your grip yep. is weak, you know, a lot of people I tell, I, people act like I don't wear wraps or anything like that because I want my body to be able to do it on its own. And if I can't, I'm not going to attempt to lift 700 pounds if I can't naturally. That's going to, you know, wear, wearing all these extra things is going to, it's kind of like my brother used to get on me a lot about it because he's like, it's like you're wearing an ankle brace. You wear it so much, your body gets used to it. Now yep. it can't, it doesn't know how to operate without it. So, yep. you know, we wear all these back braces, you know, belts and wraps and knee pads. But it's like, you can't do that off your natural strength. You have to have something to assist you. So don't attempt it. Don't ego lift. Do what you need to yeah. do. Do your, you know? Yeah, I think grip keeps you from ego lifting too. That's a really good point. Um, like a deadlift. So you lift on a on a bar, uh, bar and get a certain weight. Then you go to a deadlift bar and you can up that like 10% because the deadlift bar, you know, it's going to kind of help the weight come up. I don't know mm -hmm. if deadlift bar you probably have. Uh, you know, they bend really easy with a low weight and then the weight kind of just gradually rises off the ground. Uh. Well, when you deadlift on an axle, it doesn't bend at all. It's like working against you. It's really working against gravity. So it keeps you from lifting more than you can. And because uh, it's poor, it'll fall out of your hands. You won't, you won't hurt your body doing grip. Um, not, a couple of people have, they didn't have, they didn't do any deadlifting or any other types of lifts. But if you have general decent strength, you can train grip really hard without hurting yourself. And that's kind of cool. Um, oh, yeah. So I I like that about grip that you can train it super, super hard. Um, and that it keeps you from, uh, from doing too much. Like when we bench press, we like to bench press on a three inch, three inch round bar. It's a really fat bar. And we like <laughs> with the weight on our chest instead of the weight up at the top. So we're not using momentum oh. to or weight, you know, cause you bounce it off your chest, you use a little momentum, then you get to that yep. sticking point and all of a sudden maybe your tendon and that bicep connection at your elbow is screaming at you too much and you hurt yourself. Mm. So three, yeah, he said a three inch bar. Yes. What three inch round bar. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So that makes it to where the bench press is a lot of wrist and arm stability as opposed right. to it being chest strength. If I bring that to the gym, I probably get banned. <laughs> you probably. <laughs> what the heck are you doing there with that? A lot of people are going to be mad. Hey, man, if you can't use this, it means your grip is trash. So, <laughs> absolutely, I love I love the the grip stuff. You know, it's uh, it, I mean, of course, it's good for martial arts too. You know, you can hit right. really hard with your bare knuckles, and your hands don't hurt. You can uh, you can hit a bag barehanded, and your wrists are pretty stable, which I never recommend anybody hit a bag barehanded unless they're really strong in their in their grip and their wrists. Um, mm -hmm. and they know how to hit it right too, to where if it bends wrong, it doesn't yeah. hurt. Really. So, um, you can do things like that. You can start to train more barehanded. You can, you know, 
you can deal with grappling a lot better. You can deal with uh, when you grab a collar and someone pulls away, you know, that sideways torque that's created. Um, you can deal with that a lot better. So it's helped a lot with my grappling, of course. That's why you see so many martial artists. It's helped with other things too. It helps mentally and it helps with uh, your physical connection between your mind and your, between your brain and your body. Yeah, that, that one thing I've noticed with the grip training is like, um, it's a, you, it's one of those muscles that you, you notice, like when I do forearm training and grip training and think like finger trip training, you notice how, how I wouldn't say painful, but you notice that they're getting stronger because it, it's a different kind of an ache. Your legs, when your legs ache, yeah, it's it's not too bad. But when your when your your forearms and your wrists ache, it's painful because not, you use it so much. You use it to pick up things, put things down. Like you use your hands all day long. So, what are you doing? Different, huh? Are you doing a lot of tensioner work? It's like what kind of? Like you put a rubber band around your fingers and open it up against the no, rubber band. Oh, I don't. I I gotta get one of those pieces. Okay. Yeah, so that, do, that's huge, man. Yeah. You're going to you're going to your mind's going to be blown once you start adding an extension training because basically like if we're just closing our hands it's like we're only doing one action like only doing a bicep curl and no triceps or only doing uh, bench press rows. So once you add in the extension, your grip goes crazy. Yeah, all right, I got to I got to head up scoring goods or probably Amazon. I've seen yeah, them so yeah. many send times, man. Uh, I can send you a link to the ones you get. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've seen man, Dang. Good to know. Good to know. Free game. Yeah, I didn't know. I spent 15, 20 years doing grippers and never did extension or work. Started doing extension or work like a month and a half ago and hit my goal gripper within a few weeks. Wow. Almost annoying to me that I wasted so much time not doing it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> And extensioners are cool because you can train them like every day. They don't, they don't tire as easily. Huh. I okay. play with the rubber band things every day. I'm playing with them right now while I'm talking to you. Yeah, okay. I play with them okay. regular. So yeah, just sit there. If I'm just relaxing or something, that's what I'm going to be doing. If I'm reading, I'll do an extensioner work too. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, All right. question. The last question. Let's see. What's your opinion on the mind over matter concept? Yeah, I think that uh, if your mind's strong enough, you can hurt yourself with your mind. So I think that mind over matter works for some people, most um but not everybody uh it's like when you're trying when you're told to try your best and you're one of those people that are really obsessed and your best will be all of your resources all of your time you will make it a full encompassing task and you will be two to three levels beyond the other people in your class you're probably not the best person to you're not you're probably the right person to be told to do your best right. you know what i mean because you you took it a little seriously you took it really far 
Some people can do that with their mind. Their mind can make them do things that will tear their body up. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So I think that, yeah, definitely train your mind for sure. Make it as strong as possible. But also, you know, have that mind-body connection and awareness to know when you're pushing yourself too far. True, true, yeah. Really strong mind, man, it'll make you get that deadlift, but you will tear a muscle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Man, they're just, their mind is there and their central nervous system is just so freaking focused and they get up there and they do it and they tear both biceps or something. You're like, damn, okay, your mind is on fire, dude. Good for you. <laughs> yeah but nah, man. i think there needs saying? to be balance you know you need to have right. balance you need to definitely uh uh be able to feel the body still some too but of course you know there's times uh, there's always going to be a time when if you have that mind that can do that you're going to be the person that saves somebody in the situation where adrenaline takes over and maybe you lift the car off of somebody or you pull them out of the street when there's cars zooming by at 70 miles an hour and you happen to be able to do that you know, that hysterical strength is amazing research right. to look into. Um, I find it really it fascinating. Called? Hysterical strength. I check that out. Yeah. And that, but what we're finding out more about it is what it does to your body when you actually deal with hysterical strength. All those people that lifted a car off of somebody or something crazy, all of them hurt themselves dramatically. Oh, I bet. Yep. I would like so with in that situation it's like is is there or is there not a mind body connection like it's I it think you're a, I think it's there but it's subconscious and I think basically your adrenaline uh, and recovery tells your brain really quick you can do this and yeah. then you do it. it's like no you can do this you're 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 capable and it's like you don't even think of it but it's just your brain screams at your body saying you're capable of this and this must be done. Right. That's, that's amazing, man. Like, I, I, it's so, man, like the human body, like I, I'll, anytime I would get cut, I would just be obsessed with like, bro, you literally have the, your body can heal itself. It's, yep. it's, it's so interesting. Like the body is capable of doing so many. That's why they say it's, it's one thing that science has never understood. It's, it's so many things. You're, you're, you have like 300 some bones in your body to start with, but your body is able to do so many amazing things that, you know, sometimes we take it for granted until we need to use it. I 100% agree. It's, it's belief. Um, there are studies of people that have had knee surgery and then people that just got a nick on their knee and were told they had knee surgery and they had just as low pain as the people that actually had the surgery months later. Mm. I mean, there's things about what belief can do. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. I absolutely am a hundred percent behind that. Um, the same thing. Like if you go get a surgery or something, uh, ask them for a picture if you can, and then look up the same surgery and look up the healing process. And then use your visualization and your mental imagery to imagine like, you know, things connecting again, things growing back together, your muscle healing it, growing back together, mm -hmm. making connections again. Um, and that actually helps your healing process. It's amazing, but just visualizing the healing process makes you heal faster. And 
there's been plenty of studies that have backed it up. Dang, that's it. Yeah, I haven't got injured to that. Most extreme thing that ever happened to me is I had hit in the eye by a baseball. That Ooh. took me out. Yeah, I was I was playing outfielder. I didn't want to play outfielder because nobody hits out there. But I was first I was playing second base, and my coach was like, "You're fast. You need to go in outfield." I'm like, "But nobody hits it out here. It's boring." <laughs> Be out here. And we're at practice one day, and he's rocking them back there. I'm like, okay, I got this. And but I didn't have any, I didn't have any shades on, so I'm like blocking the sun out with my glove. And he's rocking them back there. And one time, and I'm waiting for the ball to drop, and it literally grazes past my glove and hits me right now. Oh man! Yeah, as soon as it, as soon as it hit me, I'm like, I'm walking like I'm drunk. I'm like stumbling, and he's like. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I just want to go to sleep, man. I like, I, oh, man. I am. <laughs> That's probably a concussion right there, man. I've seen baseballs bounce his head in outfield. Yeah. That is, that looks like it hurts every time. It hits them hard. Yeah, that's then that you know, velocity and go from already getting hit by the ball, and now it's dropping. Oh man, it was. Yeah, I quit baseball after that. I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> it's just. Uh, not my sport. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy when you're out there trying to block out the sun just to catch a ball. You're asking yourself, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, you know? man. He's like, you're coming back? I'm like, nah. I think I'm a civil nah. wrestling. <laughs> Don't think I'm going to learn a lot of life lessons from trying to catch a ball by blocking out the sun. Yeah. <laughs> learn a little, more, a little more life lessons from wrestling, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. That wrestling, it's, it's definitely – you see how much of a – I, from that, I learned how much endurance plays a big role. Like, I was, I think I was wrestling like 120, one, like 110, 120. Yeah. But since I was really big into like working out, I was stronger than most guys that I went against until I went to this one tournament and I was wrestling a guy my size. But he had technique and he had, you know, he he knew the it's like he knew the game. He had the cheat book. So me trying to overpower him, I was just burning yeah. myself out. And you I ran was like trained for wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I run into that in combat sports too. You know, you can train in lifting and train and grip and do all this stuff, but then you're gonna run into that guy that just trains martial arts. That's all he yeah. does all the time. All his training is that. And you know what? You're going right. to get your butt kicked. It's just, oh, that's yeah. all. Okay. It's just the way it is. It's just, you have to decide if that's what you want to do with your training, if that's your whole goal. I was at that point for a while where that was all of my training. And at that time, yeah, I mean, it becomes like magic. You see, you can almost predict what people are, are going to do. You can just see the patterns mm -hmm. in their and just take them out. And that's yeah. cool. But yeah, it has to be a, a full encompassing focus. No, that's that's something I've I've noticed with like Brazilian Jitsu. Like I, when I moved down here, I started taking some classes, and that's a good art. Like when I, oh yeah, it's I definitely it's something I want to get back into. But when I would train with like some of the white belts, they were pretty good. But like I would mm -hmm. still use my strength to overpower them. But yeah. anytime I would like roll around, I would always like pick the 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 most biggest guy or the the most advanced guy, and I, I went against uh, I rode with a blue belt. He was, oh, he was okay. way, he was like five five, 
He was very small, huh? but every move that I did, he used it against me. Like, he didn't even yep. roll. Like, everywhere I went, he let me go to where to set me up. And I was just like, bro, this is nuts. Like, <laughs> I can't I can't do nothing. Every, everywhere I go, it's already like, yeah, you let me think that I got something when I really don't. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? When those little guys flow like that, that is amazing. Bro, it's amazing. He was down to everybody. Coach that's 160 pounds and he moves me around like it's nothing, uh, you know? And and yeah, he's 5'7, like 160, maybe 155. And it's just crazy. And he's about 60 years old and just moves me around like it's easy. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I try to use my strength against him or I'm yeah. pushing them and instantly as soon as he feels just the slightest change he knows just boom moves me in the right position where i'm off every time but you know that's what like he's been doing it for 40 odd years that's what that right. will do yeah you know, that's so true cool yeah career martial artists a lot of people credit because we watch mma and all that stuff but career martial artists are amazing their hands are ludicrously fast and and they will put you in a position and mess your day up real quick that's all they do (laughs) you know yeah what's what's a good what's one of your some of your top martial arts movies uh it man is the the top Mm. one for me the first it yeah the first it man is definitely the top one for me um yeah i think that one's probably good enough people um Oh, there's another one. I can't think of the name of it offhand. I think it's called uh, either Land of the Rising Sun or just called The Rising Sun, but it's about a guy who in 84 uh, gets to go train um, in the Orient before most uh, Americans got to, and that's a pretty good one as well. Um, but I have to shoot you the name of that movie. Yeah, it had CPN in it. Um, but yeah, definitely It Man, I think, pretty much teaches the lessons you know, of martial arts pretty well, of the point of martial arts, you know, especially during the war when he, you know, there's tough times when he sacrificed, you know, his training for how much food and nutrition for his family and taking care of his family and becoming a stronger man to care for his family. It teaches the lessons of what martial arts is about. You know, it doesn't make you a better man, but it gives you the resources to become a better man. Mm, Yeah. I like that. It's good. So that means you're starting to class up. You already got the philosophy, man. Martial arts, yeah. martial arts uh, dojo coming up. Yeah, someday I might, I might do that. You know, it's something I've considered for sure because I taught college for a little while and realized, you know, I'm just teaching people a bunch of junk they're just gonna forget, just mm-hmm. to get them a degree, just to get them a job. That and at that job they're gonna learn a bunch of new stuff that has nothing yeah. to do with what I taught them. Yeah. So I really have. Really struggled with the whole bell learning system and wanting to be an academic. I just realized it's it's kind of such a small portion of real life that it's to most people, to ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the population or whatever, it's going to be nothing to them. Exactly. So I can't teach something like that. That would drive me crazy. I'd rather teach them how to become a better, stronger person. Yeah, that's you know? one of the things I've I started to become aware of in school. Like 
I I did I did years in school. I always talk, when I talk about it, it sounds like I, I'm talking about the penitentiary. I'm like, man, yeah, I did five years, man. But, <laughs> it's like that. I did a years, man. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like that, man. But um, yeah, what were you in for? I was in for a PhD, man. What were you in for? I was in for an MBA, man. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That's that's that should be the new way people talk about it. Like, exactly. You know, I feel the same way. <laughs> But I had like my fifth year. That that was one of the questions. I I, I think I missed it. But I was talking. I was going to ask about the power of isolation. So like my fifth year, I like my. So the people who I came there with, you know, you come with you come there with your your normal class. So I was supposed to graduate well, twenty seventeen. So okay. all of my all of my pe- I knew everybody on campus, but. All of my friends graduated that year. I was still cool with people on campus, but the people that I was really close graduated. So my fifth year was like a year of isolation. Like uh, I used to be a DJ. I stopped DJing. I I stopped doing. I felt like I didn't know who I was. Like I was trying to people please. So doing that year of isolation. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. You're you're trying to just you know fit in, you know. So that year of isolation, man, I I found out who I really was. So I started to go to class, like let me see what I can learn. Like how could this help me with? But then, at the same time, I was like double minded because I well I wouldn't say double minded, but then I'll start to think about everything else because like I'll go to class and I'm so in tune with the class. I'm because I was started doing personal training so I was trying to see so I was in a marketing class one day I was like okay let me see how this would be beneficial to what I'm doing and then there was so much hate with that because people are not doing it they they wouldn't they wasn't in that mindset so me being in that mindset brought a lot of attention to me at the same time because now people are like who this person think I'm in class answering questions asking questions the teacher is like man I love it like because she's like they've never seen I'll switch that mindset off of let me pass this class to let me see what I can learn and how could this benefit me. Like while I'm taking this class, okay, all right, I've got a business going up. All right, I can use this in my business. So it was it was just an amazing switch to see how that happened. And I stopped taking useless useless classes and started taking classes like I took some finance classes and then you know learning about stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, like now I can really use this knowledge rather than just, let me just take this for this credit, you know, and just get done with my, 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 get my degree and get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's cool. You figured that out in that fifth year, man. I didn't figure that out until I started my uh, doctorate program. I just, co- I didn't read a single textbook during my degree program or my master's degree program. Yeah, it's crazy to say that, but I didn't read any of the textbooks. I felt like the information they were teaching me was at a level where I could pretty much grasp it just by listening to the professors and doing a tiny bit of research here and looking up this or that on the subject or whatever and just not eat books. And I did fine. I got like a, I don't know, it was like four or something um, on my MBA without reading textbooks. That's amazing. So then I got a PhD program and I thought, well, I'm going to do my best, my very, very best one wow. time. This is the last time I'm going through for a school for a degree. So I'm going to do my very, very best. 
And uh, I did, but it was hard. It's hard to put a hundred percent effort towards something and make it an all encompassing thing. It's, it drains you. It was draining, yeah. but yeah, four and a half years. I read every single textbook, every journal article on every subject, uh, did every assignment to the highest level. Even I went as far in one class where a teacher gave us an assignment and I didn't really agree with the assignment and the founder of the science that he was teaching. So the founder of phenomenology was still alive, okay. like nine years old. So yeah. I reached out. I was like, Hey, is this assignment correct? Is this the way we're supposed to be doing it? And he's like, no, it should be like this. So what? I went back. To I was like, Hey, the founder, it'd be like, if you're in physics and you're like, Hey, I said you're wrong. Teach. So I was like, what? Hey, George, you said you're wrong. Okay. And he found this. <laughs> so I'm going to go with what he said. Yeah that far like that far to where when they argued points in my dissertation which is 440 pages um they would argue a point and i'd say no on page 73 paragraph two it says this <laughs> so yeah, you were all was, in man <laughs> yeah i was all in i wound up with a 3.97 and graduated in four and a half years um but it wasn't until that program that i realized i needed to give it my best and see what i could get out of it Mm -hmm. you know and i think that i think that's huge i think a lot of people through college really easily without trying but i think if those same type of people really put it it will it it evolves you you know it changes you for sure oh 100 yeah definitely it helps you become aware of your potential like you know most college is just like high school you get in the you know do this do that do but most people aren't putting in that much effort. They just yep. give me my degree. Like most, most jobs aren't, unless they probably hot, like the highly sophisticated ones, they will look at your, okay, what's your, what's your, your GPA or whatever. But most of them aren't, they're not. They just, okay, you got your degree. Here you go. Like, here's the job. So, and then more stuff anyway. So it's. Yeah, <laughs> it exactly. Learned anyway. So it doesn't matter, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's cool, man. But, it definitely made me believe in it more, but I did yeah. get to a point where I, I, it got really frustrating again towards the end. Um, uh-huh. So it wasn't until I got like most of the way through my doctorate program and they were like, yeah, you can use any science from any journals out there. And I'm like, well, all the journals are going to only put out the science that they want to put out. Like those mm. have a demographic and they have right. uh, you know, people that they want to appeal to and they have, overseers that want them to publish certain things you know so a lot of studies like on gender identity disorder okay so Uh this is just a topic for instance like say there's a little boy that's four years old and he has a little sister that's two years old and he starts to act like a little girl yeah really what's he doing he's trying to get the attention of his parents right yeah no, but in some studies, they might, you know, say, oh, displays of homosexual behavior in young children and blah, 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 right. and uh, try to play it towards a certain agenda. And another science right. might say, no, dude, he's just trying to act like his little sister and not publish that study where you're just saying he's just trying to act like his little sister because it goes against the LBGTQ community exactly. or the agenda yep. or whatever. So I got to a point where I found a, a science, which has actually won a Pulitzer Prize. And it's on the dark web. You only find uh-huh. Science Hub on the dark web. So I get on tour and I'm on the Science Hub and I'm looking up 
science on tour and I'm finding all kinds of science. It helps my study. And I'm like, this is great. All this unpublished science that these people made and they put out there. It's fantastic. And it's all approved studies, studies that would have normally been a published. They're official science. You know, they're legit. Um, they just didn't wind up getting into a journal. So people are going to publish on, on, you know, the dark web anonymously or, or with their name or however they want to do it. Um, so science and finding a lot of information. And then I found out I couldn't use any of it. Oh, wow. Couldn't use any of it in my study. And I found out that 97% of science isn't published and you can't use it. What? Yeah, 97%. So like the science that we see is 3%. You know, and it's crazy. And you can also, there's another, um, ProPublica is another news, or another site on the dark web that's another huge one. It's basically the same news stories that we see here in our regular Yahoo, MSN, whatever, CBS, whatever, all that stuff. Same news stories you see, but they're not edited. They're the complete story. Like, they're exactly at author originally intended so sometimes there's details in those stories you won't find in the regular news stories Holy and sometimes it change your perception of the news stories um and they've won a pulitzer prize ProPublica, and yeah that's 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 where i get my news so it's wow. just uh, the I got along with it and the further yeah. i got along in education and the further i got along in the schooling system the more politics i, I began to reveal themselves uh, and the more I realized that it was it was a facade. Yeah, school is school is very. I don't, I don't even think of politi political. <laughs> it's it's very yeah. you know They're correlated cool. with politics because mm -hmm. even when certain majors say if you want people are going to get their their doctor degree, a lot of those schools are funded by the pharmaceutical companies, so they're only going to teach you that. They're not gonna teach you these, you know, outstanding science researches. I've never even heard of the one you just told me about the science hub. Like they won't teach you that other ninety-seven percent. So you only yeah. get in that three percent that is repeated and repeated. So once somebody else comes in, you know, different perspective, even though it's accurate, you you're going to no, nah, that's not right because my that we didn't learn this in school. Of course you didn't learn this in school because it's it's an agenda they have to. It's hidden. Yeah. It's like that uh, that supercomputer IBM has that analyzes protein folds for people's uh, cancer uh, treatments. It's messed up before. It's not perfect. It's messed up a couple people and gave them horrible treatments that wound up killing them. Dang. Nobody knows about that, but there's science out there about it. You know, um, you got to figure you know, something like that's not going to be perfect the science will make it seem like it just to sort of you know promote that company and that company's funding the journal so of course they're not they're going to ignore the, the you know, mistakes so yeah and that's that's one of my biggest things like for all the, the the things that i talk about with social media i always tell people at the end of the day i'm not trying to get you to view things how i see it but i want you to think yeah Rational thinking is not a thing of today's world. People don't. Oh, yeah, man. You know, that's just man, not me. a book that everybody should read that doesn't use critical thinking. You remember yeah. that cool guy, Bill Nye, the science guy, way right, back in the day? Yeah. Called Everything All at Once. And Everything that book all at once. is very good. It's a uh, 
it's a call for everyone to use the scientific method in their day-to-day thinking. He provides a nice layman's explanation of the scientific method and then goes through explanation of why it's so important that we use it in our day-to-day thinking. Because that's what mainly a lot of this stuff is. You know, you have your your hypothesis and, you know, you're not, it's not a factual, it's not factual. A lot of this stuff is trial and error. Exactly. Just like life. Exactly. Yep. So man, it's it's it that that's why like it's so it's amazing when you when you meet people that are it's not even if you don't have the same beliefs you think you don't just take stuff for face value think why why are they pushing this agenda why do they keep showing the same thing why do they keep playing the same music why like what's what's the meaning behind this music what's the meaning behind all these same music movies that they keep showing it's something that they're pushing but we don't see it exactly. So, once you get to think, now you're like, oh, but now people think you're crazy. It's like, no, I'm just thinking. So I'm seeing this, I'm seeing the same person get locked up. I'm like, all right, hold on. Something's up. Like, it doesn't make sense, you know? But yep. it is what it is. That's today's world. I guess that's, that, that's what comes with the overabundance of information. We take everything for face value, I guess. Yep. A lot of people are more, more confused than ever before. Yeah. Much info. More confused so than ever before. Slow down and think about it for yourself. That's what I say. Yeah. I tell people you have a you have a phone all day in your hand. And you never like you never question you never thought to let me let me research this and see what what this is about. Like, you know, Everybody wants to be spoon fed, but then it's like you're still getting that person's perspective. You're not getting an understanding for yourself. Because when you get an understanding for yourself, then you really understand it. Yeah, absolutely. When you can make that personal connection to it, it's a lot stronger. Yeah. You remember it, you'll be more invested into it. 100%. 100%. Absolutely agree. So, so what are you reading now? Now? Yeah, what do you uh, oh, what is that book called? Uh, I just finished the 10x rule with I that's probably one of the books I probably would have to reread again. Um it was it was very interesting. It 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 goes with the concept of like when we're talking about effort, you know, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of people have all these dreams and aspirations. So say, okay, I want to open this business. That's a dream and aspiration, but we don't think about, it's like, we're not detailed with the goal. Like, all right, so we don't think about what comes with starting or opening that business. Like he takes it to, you know, 10 steps, 10 steps ahead. Like, all right, so if I want to open a business, all right, so who do I have to contact? You know, how much money I have to raise, you know, what comes with owning and operating a business, you know, it's like 10, 10 steps, your actions. Don't just think, oh, I want to open a business. I right, take 10 more steps or, you know, get more detail with it or be more action driven, action focused. You know, we have these goals, but we're not, we're not putting in as much effort. So it's like the amount of effort that you put in is what you're going to give out, what that you're going to get in return. So people want to, oh, I have all these dreams and goals, but it's like, how much effort are you really putting in that? You know, what, are, you know, yeah. you I want to lose weight, but you're, you're, you're not focused on what you're eating. You know, you don't, you know, how much effort are you really focused and giving? That's going to tell me if you're serious or not. So 
that was one that was a pretty good book. But I'm reading a book called Humility. Um okay. I'm only like four pages in because it's a it's it's probably like a fifty page book, but it's it's a very it's one of those books that's like I wanna say it's written in an, another language because it's so complex and meaningful and short sentences. Yeah. Like I'll read a line and I'm like, bro, that's I've never thought of that. You know, it makes me question a lot of things. And I'm just, you know, I'm highlighting and I stop and I'm just like having to reread certain sentences. But that that book is really big on just like the art of humility and where it comes from and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just started not even at probably three three or four pages in. I'll have to check that one out. I haven't read that one. Yeah, what are, yeah. What are you reading now? He's good. Uh, Budo Shoshinsu. It's uh, by Daido Yushin. He was a uh-huh. samurai. Uh, he was a samurai in the Edo period, so 1639 to 1730. And it's uh, just his essential teachings on the way of the warrior. It's uh, translated by William Scott Wilson. Um, yeah, I'm all about, like, I like the Book of Five Rings and um, Bushido. Um, so those are some, like, uh, ancient orient books on ways of warrior um samurai type teachings i think that uh a really good uh western book that's similar in the same kind of teachings is uh a man's search for meaning by victor frankel uh he was he was uh concentration camps um during world war ii like the jewish concentration camps like he was yeah uh, he was at like auschwitz and that stuff and whatnot and he um he was a psychologist before he was captured so while he was in there his whole thing that he did his whole mo was to observe the other people and observe the ones that lived and made it healthily through being in the concentration camps and observe the ones that broke down and what was the difference between those two Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good book that's pretty interesting hey i'm gonna check that out yeah, it's it's a classic. It's one of the one of the top mental, you know, performance books out there. It's definitely on almost every psychologist's bookshelf. Men search for meaning. A man search for meaning by Victor Frankel. Yep. I'm gonna add that to the collection. Let's do All it. Right, I'll, I'll get that humility book, man. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm always, I'm a big fan of it's. I wasn't a big fan of reader so until. Read. Huh? I said I'm always stoked when I get a new book to read. Oh yeah, man, hundred percent. I I had um, I I used to go to well, I still do like Dollar General or Dollar Tree. They sometimes oh, yeah. have books for a dollar that I'm like, this this is like thirty forty dollar book. Yeah, I found <laughs> some books at Dollar General. That's crazy. You mentioned that. I'd be so stoic. So I'd be in there like cashing out. They're like, you just buying books. I'm like, bro, these are these are expensive books anywhere else, but you got them for a buck. Why wouldn't I buy them? Like. Yeah, I found uh, the Mammoth Book Battles, the Art and Science of Modern War there. It's like a $30 book, hundreds of pages, I mean, and it just has so much awesome history in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find some really good books at the dollar store sometimes. Uh, Yeah, it's crazy. Just, I guess they just order them and they just don't sell and they just sit there or some some other book, some other store ordered a bunch of copies of some big bestseller and all of them didn't sell. So the bestseller at the dollar store. Yeah, that I, man, it's crazy. Yeah, they see me all the time. I'll be in there. 
Oh, no new books. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back next time. Yeah, there you go. All right on. Two, three, four, five. Yeah, I think uh, one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight. Humility, Six. cool. Yes. Uh, all right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I didn't. All right. I always say it's the last question, but it's a question I missed. All right. Closer. And we out. Why do you think peace of mind is peace? Peace of mind is such a rarity nowadays. I just think it's not part of our culture, unfortunately. Yeah. It's crazy as it sounds. We're never quiet and the importance of quietude. Yeah. Um, there's no meditation in our school. There's no quiet in our culture. Right. It's just, it's non-existent. It's not a, a Western thing. That's so true. You know, and I think maybe, um, maybe because people got out and they did like hunting trips or they did like camping trips or they just got away a little bit more often. That was a little more of a right. thing. You know, even when I was a kid, going out and camping was more of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not as much anymore. You know, people do a lot of staycations. They do a lot of uh, glamour type trips or things like that. And they just don't connect to nature as much. And I think yeah. that's a big part of it. Yeah. it's You hit, a, hit, you hit art, it right art, on the head with the first one. Art being removed from school is pretty tough, too. Because art requires, oh. you know, um, yeah, I was a fine arts major before I became uh, a business major and then into performance psychology. But yeah. uh, fine arts, you know, it's quiet and your mind gets to think. Everybody has to be quiet in that room while everybody's doing the same task. And I think mm. that's powerful. So I think when art was taken away from school, that hurt too. Dang, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it makes it's, it's, I'm thinking about like college days when I was taking art class and literally every there was not a, a sound in the room unless somebody was leaving. Uh, yeah, it was it was, <laughs> you know, you think back at it, you go, wow, that was a peaceful time. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Yep. It's so true. I, I had to look into that. It's like the some of the things that's like so beneficial to life has been taken out of school. They're taking PE out. You know, no, you know, nutrition, like well, nutrition classes. You know, like art, those things that have such a tremendous effect on your life, is is been is gone now. It's It's all in effort to make these continual advancements so that one company can say that they have some procedure or some chemical or some something or another over another company. I have this tech over this company and that company doesn't have it. And I have this tech over this company, but now we're at a point where our evolution is such a fast rate that some of the procedures are coming out are barely like even properly tested. And some people are getting hurt just the, the quickness of evolution. Mm. So slow down and like, you know, take time with the the things we have and the skills we have. I think the Moore's law breaking down is going to help a lot. Um, so that number of transistors on a computer chip will double every 18 months. 
but our microengineering hasn't allowed us to really um, continue that. So we're mm -hmm. going to see technology used in a more creative way rather than just a hunt for more power. What and is I it called? What's the law called? The Moore's Law, M-M-O-R-E. Um, so yeah, that's broken down basically. And unless we have a giant leap in engineering, microengineering technology, we're not, it's not yeah. going to continue. So we're going to see creative uses of tech and that's going cool. That's going to change the way that science works. It's going to change the way that engineering works. We're going to be focused on how can we use what we have in the right. most creative way, as opposed to how can we just make this stronger? How can we just make this faster? Gotcha. Dang. Oh, that's going to be really cool. We're going to see it over the next like 20 years. That's a pretty interesting thing. It's even what you, when you first said the, the, it's like the dichotomy of evolution. Yeah. And you can hear it all the time because it's like every time, you know, every, when I would grow up, you know, TV commercials, if you were affected by this and this and this, like, they have so many infomercials that come out because they're trying to rush this medication out, but it hasn't been tested. Yeah. And now you're getting all this, all these nonsense commercials of people that have been hurt by something that was pushed out at a fast rate. Yep, exactly. Medicine, surgical procedures, all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff. All the yeah. That's interesting. Slow down a little bit, guys. <laughs> Slow, down. Slow down, man. Be like the turtle, man. You like exactly. the turtle. Freaking rabbit there. lost the race because he was taken off and pulled a hammy or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He was he was having too he was having too much. The ego got to him, man. Yeah. Ego is the dangerous thing, man. It can be good at its times, but if you're not in control yeah. of it. it... Exactly. Like an assuredness of self is good. Um yeah. especially in times of chaos, but Egos, place for ego. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the assuredness is like confidence. Like, you know, yeah. like Muhammad Ali was very confident because he he trained. He knew what he was capable of. He he trained years for this. So it's like a lot of even what you what a lot of athletes or whatever, whatever your your expertise is, you're very highly confident in it because you've been doing it for 10, 20 or how you're talking about your your coach. Yeah. He's been doing this for years. It's a good point. I think Ali was confident, and I think Mayweather had an ego. Oh, yeah, 100%. Mayweather never – my thing, he's never, like, fought anybody that – like, boxing has is, is lost his, his, his thrill. Now it's yeah. all about, you know – He never fought publicity. the best. Mayweather best. No, never. Yeah, exactly. So Ali did, and he lost a few times. And he said, okay, exactly. I'm going to come back and beat that guy. And he did, you know. Exactly, and that and that's more, you get more respect because of that. It's like okay, I, I lost. Was better than Mayweather. I'll always think Pacquiao was better. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh Pacquiao, man, he was really good. Like he just doesn't get the respect because he he well he lost, but you know, the losses teach you much. Like I was telling people, losses teach you much so much. You just have to switch that perspective off, like. Don't okay, man. I lost, and you know, you know, weigh yourself down. But look at the lesson in it, because then that can help you level up. Okay, I lost, yeah. but it taught me this, and it taught me that, and actually, you gain more from the loss than the win. Hundred, I agree completely. It's it's 
you'll never see the best ever as an undefeated person. That's almost never, never the case. 100%. Now, what did they prove? <laughs> exactly. That, that, that loss humbled you, let you yeah. know. <laughs> and so it, it was something C.T. Fletcher will always say. He, he had like a, uh, a motivational speech. He was like, his mom was telling him like, no matter what, C.T., it's somebody that's always out there that's better than you. He's like, nah, hell no. Nah. But then it's like, now that I look at him now, I be I feel like, man, like, like you had to be humble. Like now yeah. that the, the position he's in in life, you can see it. Even with Mike, like that's what I look at now, like Mike Tyson and all these big stars. And I look at him now and I'm like, Mike Tyson has been so humble. Like the, the switch off is, is tremendous just to see. Yeah, I think it's in the know, best place Ben right now. Mike Tyson. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he gained all the weight. He got back into boxing, but not like the way before. He did his little exhibition right. thing with Roy Jones. And I think him running this Legends League, I think he's in the best place he's ever been. Yeah, 100%. I'm a big Tyson fan. He was he was my favorite growing up. And I'm only five foot nine. So, you know, I got to yeah. move a little like him to be able to get in there. Yeah, I would never step in the ring with him, even if he paid me. Nope. He's he's on a different level. Mayweather, I would because Mayweather is all about defense. Tyson is aggression. He's gonna attack. It wouldn't be long. You 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 wouldn't be awake for long. So you know. Exactly. You know, it it'd be one round, but you get knocked out. If it's a million dollars, it might be worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But man, that that you how you gonna wake up the next morning? You're gonna be in pain for a couple some weeks. Yeah, <laughs> you gonna be living life. I got a, I got a million dollars, hundred percent. Yeah, but man, it's it's been a good talk, man. We definitely, even if it's not on the podcast, we definitely got to chop it up more. This is this is amazing. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I'm looking forward to you posting this, and I'll I'll post it all over on my couch potato page as you put it up. And uh, yeah, we'll make it big. This is a good conversation. Hundred percent. Any takeaways you want to add or anything like that? You know, um, give your mom and dad a hug. You know, I don't care what mm. old, how old you are. You know, right. just uh, care about your family. Care about those close to you and the people that have looked after you. I think that's the most important. A lot of people forget that. True. True, so, yeah. true. Care about those around you, I think, is the most important thing. And uh, it's survival, the survival of the generous. I don't know if we talk. Yeah. Survival of the generous, not the fittest. That's yeah. That's gonna be the new slogan right there. Never heard that, but it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. All right. Yeah. You too, man. You have a good one. Yeah. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too, man.